0: You know, sometimes God allows us to be broken, broken, and then broken again. To teach us, I had, after the provincial chapter ended, this grandiose vision that I was going to go enjoy an incredible week at the World Apostolic Congress of Mercy. I envisioned meeting the bishop from Vilnius who was gonna be there, several bishops from Europe, and having a joyful time and enjoying God's mercy. Well, first of all, it took me 32 hours to get there, uh, flying from JFK to Auckland, uh, then to Samoa, and then flights to Sydney and Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne, Tasmania, back to Brisbane, Solomon Islands, back to Melbourne, Christchurch, New Zealand, and then back to Auckland, New Zealand, and then back to New York the other night. Well, the Lord had other plans. I got so terribly sick, almost all of us did at Wacom. There must have been something in the food or the water because we all got sick. And I got these horrible chills, and all I could want was a hot shower, And I walk into the shower and there was no hot water. It was ice cold. This was down in Perth, Australia after I left Wacom. And so then the next morning I got up and got ready for mass and only traveled with one collar. They're made of plastic. And I took it off It fell to the ground. I turned around and stepped on it, smashed it to pieces so I had no collar. Then that night we tried to get back to the apartment we were staying at. And we got locked out because the person I was staying with, he forgot the key, and his wife drove two hours in the car with the key. We could not get in to the apartment. So the night that we finally got in the apartment, about 2 o'clock in the morning, my friend woke me up to go to the airport at 5 and got the time wrong. It was 5 p.m., not 5 (laughs) a.m., and so the whole time I was so sick. And then right before mass, I went running in to use the bathroom and uh, before the mass and then no toilet paper. So then doing three talks in one day and two flights, the next morning I got up to go on the next flight, no ride showed up at the airport. And so at this point, I was like, wow, Lord. So then we arrived finally on a later flight and then as we're driving, we're late for mass and I have everybody waiting for me for mass And we get a call from the airport. John had picked up somebody else's bag. We had to go back to the airport because he had picked up the wrong bag. So then, as we were flying to New Zealand, I didn't know this, but your bag, when you check it in, doesn't go to your final destination. You have to get off at your first destination, go through customs, recheck your bag back in, and then go back through, and I'm like, No, this isn't going to work. And we missed our connector, threw everything up into chaos. Then, of course, I forgot my coat the next morning as we're racing to the airport again. And the person says, well, okay, I'll drive you back to the church. I said, please drive me back to the church to get the coat. So he's driving, he's driving, he's driving finally i said wow we get there he drove to the wrong church (laughs) so we went to the wrong church (laughs) then at each talk we didn't order books weren't ordered so we ran out of books i sliced my foot i couldn't really walk it was just agonizing and then the one day i had to go fishing that was what i was looking so much forward to we couldn't because the rain completely came down and made it impossible but it all finished it was topped off is I was going on the leg of the flight, I was going through security, and it takes me about a half an hour to pack my bag because the vestments go on the bottom, and then you have to organize everything on top and perfect like a pyramid where it won't fit. And to unpack it and pack it is major. It takes about 25 minutes. So I'm going through security, and the woman says, this looks like you have a bomb. <laughs> and I said, by this time, I'm so at my end of patience. I'm so frustrated. I just kind of lost it. And I said, ma'am, do you really think I am carrying a bomb? And all of a sudden, three more agents come rushing in. All the, the, the security, I'm whisked aside. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I just, I said, Lord, why is this happening? Why are you doing this? I, I realized at that point, I had lost love. I had lost seeing the reason I was there. And what really showed me that, what really made me realize that was the people. Because we went to some of the poorest of the poor in the Solomon Islands. And there in the Solomon Islands, three thousand people showed up. Three thousand, because they're so hungry for God. They have nothing. They 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 absolutely. I mean, the average wage is like a couple dollars a day, and they they have nothing. But these were the most joyful people that I had ever seen, and they just. Big smiles. I mean, they've had typhoons rip through there, hurricanes come through there. Most of them are living in bamboo huts, and they were so, so happy. Even the stray dogs who were just filled with tumors and mange, and I'm looking at these two stray dogs, and they're playing and just rolling around on the ground playing with each other. And I looked at that and I'm like, Even the dogs who are homeless in this area, that has nothing. These dogs don't even have food. The people don't even have food. And they were so joyful. And I remember just after all these things had happened, thinking, how, I mean, I just really said to the Lord, how dare I, how dare I complain, even though these little things And they were just little compared to what these people were going through, without home, without shelter, without food. And so these are the things that, and I told them at that talk when I got to the last leg, I said, you know, although you may be poor financially, you are rich. I said, you know, in America, many are rich, but they are poor because they may have material goods, and some are, I know many that do have many wealthy things, and, stuff, and they, are, they are fulfilled, they are good you know, uh, disciples of God. So I, I try to explain to the people, this is not most Americans, but some have this wealth or this material goods, but they don't have the love of God. And even though some may be given the grace of material wealth, they can have the love of God too. And I do know some who do that. And so these people taught me such a lesson. And I remember one reminded me, and she was this one from Papua New Guinea. And just looking at her, it's like, you could see how hard her life had been. And so anyway, I was talking to her, and she reminded me of something, and I said it later in the talk, and she reminded me of something I said in my talk a year ago. She said, remember, Father, when you said, those who you will be most thankful for when you die are the people who annoy you the most. And so she said that the little annoyances on your trip, Lord, uh, Father Chris, are going to be the Lord's gift to you. And I remember sitting here, there's nothing like when people use your own words, right? when they use your own words against you. And she meant it in a loving way. And she said, all those little trials and tribulations are how you grow in virtue. Don't you remember, Father Chris? This is what you taught us. <laughs> and, and I remember laughing because I'm like, am I living what, am I, living what I preach? Am I, am I truly living what I have taught on these live streams because people were listening? People were listening, so they saw my frustration. And on that particular talk, when I got there, my, the audiovisual that I used for my slides and my video, it didn't work. So I was so frustrated, because I wanted to show these people the slideshow, and it didn't work, and this lady could just see my frustration. And she could just, just came with that love. And it, it was such a gift of God. You know, and, and, and so these, these trials, lead to sanctification, you know. um, In our state of life, you know, um, holiness is not some magic pill. Holiness is simply being faithful to your state of life. It's being faithful if you are a mother. Um, And this whole thing, this is this woman reminding me of my own talks, and she said, Father, you, you, know, you told us that the way a mother is sanctified is, is preparing meals, doing the shopping, helping the kids with homework. Um, she's, you know, she's reminding me that, that I had taught this and that a father you know, going to work and providing and going through the hassles of the job and fighting traffic, these are all the ways that he is sanctified. And all of a sudden it occurred to me that I thought I was going to teach these people and I totally was the one who got schooled. I was the one who was the one who was taught that this is God's way. I had all this as I said this grandiose idea that I was going to have this amazing time and be teaching and being able to spread the love of God and meet new people. God totally had a different plan. But he had to bring me to my knees to see it and and so i look at that i was like wow lord um what a gift and then i read this gospel and it's talking about the law talking about rules you know these people they didn't follow the rules they didn't show up on time mass never started on time they never did what they were instructed to do when certain events, keep the line over here so that these people can get the book and then move this line over here when you wanted it signed. They didn't follow any of those rules. It just became one big jumbo of people. And that's okay because they didn't follow technically the rules, but they followed the greatest of the rules, the greatest of the law, love. The people there loved each other. They had nothing. But the love that they had there was the greatest of the commandments. Remember, and we just heard Philip read, you know, we've got the commandments written in stone, and then we've got the, the law written in stone, and then we have the law of love, Jesus Christ. These people didn't care about the law written in the stone, that you have to have this line here and this line here. What they cared about was the greatest law, the law of Jesus' love, and that's what I learned. And as I said, it's it's so ironic that when you go and you think you're gonna be the teacher and you get schooled by a poor old lady from Papua New Guinea, what a grace. And when you look back at it, all you can do is say, thank you, God, because sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and sometimes we get frustrated and i just remember when all those things were happening i was asking god why you know why are you not helping me here lord but he was helping me in a greater way a much greater way to see what it means to have love and so on the trip back home i tried to realize and contemplate that and you know not have that impatience when the flight's missed or or when you pick up the wrong luggage, or somebody picks up your luggage, or the luggage doesn't even arrive. Whatever those little trials are, they're nothing compared to what the people in the South Pacific are enduring. And yet, in the midst of all of it, they were some of the happiest people I've ever seen. What a beautiful gift. So I I look at this reading, and I hear the Lord talking about the law. And then listening to Philip read that first reading, that we have the law on this tablet and we have the law in the heart, the law of the flesh, the law of love. What an opportunity for all of us to realize that that's true mercy. So I'm super happy to be back. And I hope for even the slightest way, I'm all the better for it. And may all of us realize that it doesn't matter what the material things have or what breaks our way or what doesn't break our way. When we have love, we have everything.